So what we want to do now is talk about uh, small groups and how they're strategic for the life of a Christian. So um, before we get started with the actual notes here, let me read to you from um, St. John Paul II. Again, his letter at the beginning of a new millennium, he talked about uh, the church as a family. Um, we usually think of the church as an institution in many ways. We think of the church as being... Uh, sacraments and, of course, uh, hierarchy and so on, and it is all that. You can't have a church without that. But um, he talks about the church being primarily the domain of, uh, he calls it communion, which is fellowship. Uh, he says here, uh, the domain of communion which embodies and reveals the very essence of the mystery of the church. Communion, meaning fellowship with each other, is the fruit and demonstration of that love which springs from the heart of the eternal Father and is poured out upon us through the Holy Spirit, which Jesus gives us to make us one of heart and one of soul. He says, to make the church the home and the school of communion, this is the great challenge facing us in the millennium, which is now beginning. As he did this letter in 2001. So, so um, the whole idea of making the church a communion a fellowship, uh, he contends, is one of the greatest challenges we face in the in 21st century. He says a spirituality communion means finally uh, to know how to make room for our brothers and sisters bearing each other's burdens and resisting the selfish temptation which constantly besets us and provokes competition, careerism, distrust, and jealousy. So um, he sees communion in the church, fellowship in the church, as being an antidote to competition, to careerism, to distrust in our relationships. And at the heart of the church, then, he's saying, is this spirituality of fellowship or communion, which is a reflection of the fellowship and the communion of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. So with that in mind, we're going to look at our support, our life support system. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, whenever uh, wherever two or three gather together in my name, I will be right there with them. So it's something about gathering in his name that is very powerful because his presence is there with us in a way that we can't get when we're just alone with the Lord. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. Let's read this together, if we would. Paul, I'm writing these instructions so you'll know how to live in the family of God. That family is the church. I think that's really a key aspect of understanding the church is a family. And even in the New Testament, they understood that was a critical part of understanding church as a family. So what does a small group do? What does a small group do? So to do that, um, you may or may not have Bibles with you, but if you do have a Bible with you, just turn, or a smartphone that has a Bible app on it, it's turned to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. This was uh, St. Luke's summary of the early church's life together. Um, and he describes what was common amongst all the Christian communities and churches in, uh, in the first 30 years of the church's life. So Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47 and it says here, and they, beheld, they held steadfastly to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, 
to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. Verse 43, and fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and goods and distributed them to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking the bread in their homes, they partook of food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So Bernie, we got the whole idea of food right here from the scriptures. <laughs> so we're biblically based with having food in our gatherings. You know, <laughs> I did a, a course in the seminary about uh, in the Gospels, and the in this uh, professor spent about half the, the semester talking about the meals of Jesus in the Gospels. How much of his teaching centered around, me, uh, centered around meals? You know, so. It was quite fascinating. But, uh, so here we see a summary of the early church's life together. And uh, we're going to break that open now and take a look at it. So let's go to your outlines. So the first thing we see is, number one, what does a small group do? They, we study the word of God together. In the book of Acts, they commit themselves to learning the teachings of the apostles. So what do small groups do when they get together? They study God's word. God's word is the centerpiece of their gathering here. So we grow together, and the whole purpose of studying God's word together is so that we can be transformed by his word, so we can apply it to our life, so our life changes. And we really do need each other to do that. We need each other to help us do that. Number two, we practice learning how to love. Notice in the Acts that we read, uh, we practice learning how to love. So notice what they, they did in uh, Acts chapter 2 is they joined with other believers in fellowship. They were like a family to each other. They committed themselves to life together. So when we practice learning how to love, you know, when you're gathering consistently with people and you're sharing your life with them, we learn how to serve, we learn how to encourage one another, we learn how to hold each other accountable. Uh, we help each other grow in the Christian life. We learn to put on the virtues of patience with one another. You know, we learn to listen. Uh, we learn to honor one another. All those things that, that probably, you know, we're not always used to doing. We may have some rough edges around some of those virtues and things. But when we're, when we're consistently meeting with other Christians and gathering with them and we're sharing our life and our faith with each other, you know, we have a chance to practice uh, there's some 55 in the New Testament, there's some 55 one another's in the scriptures that can only be done if we're meeting in small groups together. How, you know, encourage one another, serve one another, honor one another. It's like the, the epistles, particularly Paul's letter to the Romans, has like 55 of them. You can only fulfill them if you're gathering in small groups with other Christians on a consistent basis. Number three is we eat together. They shared fellowship meals. They shared fellowship in the meals. They met. They ate meals together in their homes, eating with great joy and generosity. As I mentioned earlier, many of the Gospels show Jesus gathering with others around meals. Of course, as Catholics, we should be familiar with that because we have the Eucharist, which is considered a meal. Where did Jesus institute the Last Supper? It was at a meal. <laughs> so this should be something that should be normal to us to gather with others around food. We eat together. And number four is we pray for each other and with each other. In Acts, again, chapter 2, they spent time praying together. 
the power of prayer with each other. Praying not only for each other's needs, but also praying with each other. Somebody is ill or somebody's going through a difficult time to extend hands upon them, just pray for them in a very simple way. Also, remembering each other in prayer. You know, when we gather in a small group, we may share, hey, you know, remember me in prayer. I'm going for a job interview next week. Well, it's nice to know that you have six, eight, ten people that are going to remember you in prayer next week during your job interview. Um, So we pray for each other and with each other. We worship together as part of that. We, We learn to sing songs to the Lord in praise to him, to each other. Some of the songs we sing at church, for example, we can sing in our small groups. And there's plenty of nice, uh, you know, technological things today. We can bring uh, recorded things, things that can be put on uh, DVDs or things that we can sing along with. The idea is that we sing together to praise God. Number five is we encourage one another. Again, from the book of Acts, it says they shared everything with each other. They helped each other when anyone in the group has a need. We encourage one another. So encouragement is verbally we encourage one another. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's nice to always know that we can come to a group of people, and no matter what's going on in our life, we can share with them what's going on, and they can encourage us. They won't judge us. They won't, they won't, you know, they won't point the finger and say you should do that or this, but they simply encourage you and, and speak words that will bring life to your heart. Also, another kind of encouragement is that we help each other through times of struggles or challenges. I remember at St. Clair's in Essex, where I was a, I was a uh, associate for a while, um, that uh, I remember we established small groups there. And I remember one person was uh, pregnant, and she had to spend the last two months of her pregnancy on bed rest. She couldn't, she couldn't afford to move. So, but her small group uh, brought over food to her weekly. They went into her house on a weekly basis and cleaned her house. They picked up her kids from school. They went to St. Clair's at a school at the time. Still does, or no, it doesn't anymore, but this, uh, at that time it did. And they, uh, so in other words, that small group, which consisted of about uh, eight to ten people, um, just pitched in for two months. So when that child was delivered, you know, the, this particular mother and her husband, they had some stories to tell of how that they were cared for and by the Christian community of St. Clair's. Now, that Christian community St. Clair's was encapsulated in this small group of eight to ten people, you know. And um, they, uh, you know, they when the baptism came, guess what? They were all at the baptism, and they had a, cel- a wonderful celebration that was a communio, a fellowship that came out of their shared life together. And that really is what sacraments are supposed to be. They're meant to come out of our shared life together as Christians, you know. Um, and so. Uh, and so this is, so baptism of this child was tremendous, you know, and was very powerful. So that all came out of a group of eight to ten people that met regularly and consistently and were, and were there to encourage one another. So 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other. Um, God has given each of us spiritual gifts. He's given us abilities and talents. And in a small group setting is where we can help use, we can use our gifts to help each other grow in our Christian life. Okay, so how can I get the most from my group? Now, uh, so, so if, we were part of, if we were part of a small group, and this is something we plan on doing here at St. Patrick's, is 
um, you know, within the next, you know, in the near future, actually begin to develop small groups. This is what small groups would look like. So let's take a look. Number one, make it a priority to meet. This is what Hebrews says, chapter 10. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together. Instead, let us encourage one another. So in order to have a small group that is going to build relationships, we have to consistently meet together and to make a commitment, make it a priority in our schedule to do so. As you know, Pat was saying, sharing this morning, that in prayer, we can't, you have to build a relationship with the Lord. That means you have to pray. You have to be consistent in our prayer to build that relationship. Well, same thing with, with each other. We need to be consistent in building our relationship with one another. That means meet regularly and consistently with each other. Number two, share my thoughts with humility. This is a way to honor one another, is to share our thoughts with humility. Romans chapter 12, verse 16 says, Don't try to act important, but enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. So when we share our thoughts about the scriptures, you know, or somebody maybe is sharing a situation in our life, you know, we may have some insight, but we do it with humility. We do it to honor the person. We don't share it in a way that says, I know it all. I'm, you know, I kind of follow what I say and you'll be a success at it. You know, it's like, no, I share my thoughts, my experiences with humility. Philippians chapter 2, Paul says this, Never let selfishness or pride be your guide. Instead, be humble and give more honor to others than to yourselves. Do not be interested only in your own life, but be interested in the lives of others. So a way to show honor of a person is to share our insights with humility um, and uh, with, a, with a way that's going to try to bless or uplift that individual. Number three is... Respect others' ideas. Respect others' thoughts. Paul says in Romans chapter 14, verse 1, Welcome with open arms fellow believers who don't see things the way you do. And don't jump all over them every time they do or say something you don't agree with, even when it seems that they're strong on opinions but weak in the faith department. Remember, they have their own history to deal with. Treat them gently. We've learned this in the Alpha course that we talked about a little bit earlier, that uh, one of the primary principles of Alpha that we like a lot here is that people are allowed to come into uh, like um, the Alpha course and small gatherings and share any feelings or thoughts they have, particularly regarding any particular topic that's talked about that week. No one's judged for that because the understanding is we accept other people's ideas, even if I may disagree with that idea vehemently, you know, I, I don't say that, what I say is welcome the ideas, trusting that the environment of acceptance and openness, will, the Holy Spirit will be able to bring that person to the place where they need to be. But they won't get there unless there's an atmosphere of acceptance and honoring them. So, um, so, it, so it's really important to see that when people share their thoughts or ideas that uh, we um, respect those ideas and thoughts. Paul says in Romans chapter 15, verse 2, he says, we must bear the burden of being considerate of the doubts and fears of others. People are at different stages in, in their faith walk. Um, and then small groups, people are all different stages. So some are very strong, some are very weak. Some are just getting started. Some have been around for ages, you know, and centuries. You know? But the point is, wherever, no matter where anybody is, we accept them for where they are, you know, and we want to encourage them to grow in their relationship with the Lord so he can continue to move them along, just like he moves me and you along as well. Okay, number four. Um, 
share my weaknesses and faults with honesty. Share my weaknesses and faults with honesty. Paul, um, let's see, first letter of John says this. It says, if we live in the light as God is in the light, we can share fellowship with each other. But if we claim we have no sin, we are fooling ourselves and the truth is not in us. Sharing our faults and weaknesses in a, a safe, small group setting is very helpful for my own personal growth. It's very helpful for others to grow in the relationship to the Lord. James chapter 5, verse 16 says this, Admit your faults to one another and pray for each other so you may be healed. There's, when we cult, begin to cultivate relationships with people in our small groups, begin to build up trust over time, we begin to let down our own mask and our own uh, covering of our faults, and we share our faults with others. The power in that is that we can get healed of those faults. We can get set free of a lot of them because we have people that only accept us in that environment, but also are willing to pray for our healing as well. Number five, share my problems with sympathy. Galatians chapter two, uh, 6, verse 2, uh, in a small group setting, help carry each other's burdens. In this way, you will, you will follow Christ's teachings. So in a small group setting, people are going to share their problems. They're going to share their struggles. They're going to share what's going on in their life. So um, when we share our problems, we listen with sympathy, meaning that we want to, uh, inc- we want to identify and encourage with that person. I remember uh, at St. Philip Mary, we had small groups there. Um, I can remember uh, one small group I was, we're familiar with all the small groups, but one group in particular, I remember it struck me one day, they were at mass together. It was a Sunday mass. And uh, uh, they, as they were coming up in communion, I, I couldn't help but think that as I was giving out communion to someone in the small group, I said, I was thinking, gosh, that person um, has a child that's uh, addicted, and they're struggling with that. But I also know that that person, in, because they're in a small group, was sharing that struggle with their small group. And so their small group was very much aware of that, was encouraging them, praying for them and for their child. But right behind them was the person in their small group. And I know that person had lost a child, a stillbirth, child in stillbirth, and they brought that situation to their small group, and that person received prayer. And then two people back, another person was in their small group, and I know that particular person had been sick for a while, and they had been visited by their small group members and been prayed with for healing, and, had, you know, and were kind of like, for a time, were taken care of with meals to their family and so on. I, all I thought is, here's this small group coming up. It's just a, a small group of people, but they've been sharing life together, sharing struggles and challenges together, sharing prayer together, encouraging one another, and they were receiving communion at Mass together. I thought, they just brought out the meaning of Eucharist and the body of Christ. It wasn't just between them and Jesus. It was between Jesus and them and the members of their small group they had been sharing life with together. I thought, this is what church is. This is what what God intended by his church, his body, by by his people. This is what he wants for his people. And that just became very clear to me as I was as these people came up in line, I was giving out communion to them. It was like the Holy Spirit took the veil off my eyes and he said, look at what I'm doing. You know? And he just brought out the meaning to me in a, in a very fresh way what Eucharist was meant to be. So, 
Okay, number six. Let's look at First um, Corinthians chapter twelve, verse twenty-six. If one part of the body suffers, all the other parts suffer with it. And that's what this group was doing. But they were also sharing in the victory too, you know, because um, they learned to share in the suffering, but they also learned to share in each other's joys too, as they saw prayers answered and situations changed. Number six, encourage each other in spiritual growth. Again, Hebrews 10, we've heard that already, but let's look at Romans chapter 1, verse 12. I want us to help each other with the faith we have. Your faith will help me, and my faith will help you. When we come together and share our faith together, we share our relationship to the Lord and where we are together with the Lord, and we're all at different places, which is okay. In a small group setting, that's perfectly fine. And we accept one another and where we are in our relationship to Christ. We learn to share our faith, our struggles, our doubts, our fears, but also our successes, our prayers answered, you know. Um, and what can happen is that we grow stronger in our faith because we're giving it away to one another. We're sharing it with each other. We become stronger in what we give away. Someone taught me a long time ago, you only get to keep what you give away. In a small group setting, we can give away our faith and it gets stronger in our hearts. Even if we share something like, gosh, I'm really, the situation I'm facing, I have a lot of doubts and fears about it. I, you know, really, and, you know, I'm trying to trust the Lord to come through, but I'm not sure. And so when we share that, we have six, eight, ten other people that are able to, to encourage you, to, you know, pray for you, keep you in prayer, to pray with you at that moment. And keep revisiting that with you so that you don't carry those doubts and burdens alone. You know, a burden shared is halved, right? And that's what small groups are designed to do. So, okay. Uh, so to draw this to a close with the teaching, small groups are our life support system. And they are the life support system of a parish community as well. Um, because in a small groups is the place where our growth can really take off, can be kindled, can be awakened sometimes. It's also the place where, as we share life and faith together, we find out that not only is God real, but we find out that prayers get answered a lot more, that breakthroughs occur a lot more in our life, and we find out that I grow better because when I'm growing with others, as we say, I like to say around here, we're better together than we are just alone. So small groups have a strategic place in helping us to become a, not just an institution, but a family. You know? And in that family, Jesus is able to do things that he can't do if that family didn't really exist. So let's pray for a moment. So Father, we thank you for calling us into a family as St. John Paul II has called the church of the 21st century, century to be a church of fellowship, a church of communio, where we gather to share life and faith with each other. So we thank you, Father, that your deepest desire is to have a people, people who walk with each other in your presence, people who grow with each other in your presence, a people who suffer and struggle with each other in your presence, people who enjoy victory and rejoicing together in your presence. 
So, Lord, we ask you to stir our hearts, awaken our hearts to this truth of your word in the scriptures, the truth that you're breaking open freshly in the Catholic Church in our, our century. And help us, Lord, to be enlightened with that truth, to be, to, for it to awaken and stir something deep within us of what you want to do here at St. Patrick's amongst and with each other. And we pray all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.